Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. roll the music or did we just start talking no we just start i, oh, I was off. really looking forward to that <laughs> <laughs> no no we, we just uh we just uh That's start talking production huh you know what we'll do this time i'm gonna do the ad because oh. we do this the oh yeah yeah i'll do it with you in here just to make it a different <laughs> i don't feel like recording it again because yeah. i want to have a different one so uh we'll start so hey welcome to cast and crank podcast uh today we're brought to you by dos bootleg uh, we have our guest here already for part of the ad. You know, thought I'd add to it, Rory. You want to say hi? Hey. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, if you guys want to help us out, like I put on the uh, Instagram, we get 20% off. You could check out their shirts. They have all kinds of stuff you can think of uh, sports theme, everything, uh, fun stuff. I don't, I'm not going to say the cheesy ad this time. <laughs> so you guys don't have to hear me talk about getting laid. <laughs> so uh but if you can uh, help support the podcast go to uh dosbootleg13.com forward slash cast and crank uh disc and it gives you a discount you can see the uh in our um bio it'll tell you where to go so if you could check that that'd be great but let's get to the fun part so we have uh roy from Traeger grills here hi and we have of course justin mcteer what's up so uh today we get to same thing as before we're gonna talk about fishing but I like food, and Roy's really good at cooking food, so we thought we'd have him on to talk about that and uh, talk about fishing also, but uh, like I said, probably a little more grilling too, because uh, we like to do everything incorporated with fishing. So let's talk about how you started fishing when you were young. Um, yeah, it's a great question. I uh, <clears throat> So I grew up in San Diego. My parents moved out to... Um, Sun City, which is now Menifee, it's just east of Marietta, probably when I was about second or third grade. Um, shortly after we moved out there, my parents got divorced, and my mom rented a house in Menifee Lakes. And uh, we lived across the street from that little man-made lake, and we were out there one day feeding the ducks, and all of a sudden, these carp and catfish were coming up and eating all the, the bread we were throwing out there, the stale bread. And, you know, my little 10-year-old mind was like, hey, how do we catch that? <laughs> I was like, we got to try to catch those. And so um, some old man was like, oh, you know, ride your bike over to Target and buy a, you know, a rod and reel and some little hooks. And we started chumming for carp with bread and then wrapping the bread up in the little hook and throwing it out there. And 
the little catfish come up and they grab it and so we'd get all psyched when we catch an actual carp every once in a while and it was fun i mean, I remember one time we ran out of bread and so we were just like wadding up the paper bag and still catching them Awesome. And after that, that we're it hooked. works, man. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever works. Yep. And then we moved down to um back down to Encinitas where I was born. Mm-hmm. Um I was probably about thirteen. And uh yeah, just translated, started fishing a lot. Um, you know, paddling on our surfboards and fishing at Cardiff Reef and Seaside and Swamis, and that was before it was all shut down. And mm-hmm. then my stepdad, he was um he was really into fishing. Um, so he would take us down, you know, we do the Sea Cortez thing and camp on the beach in Baja and, um, you know, a lot of friends in the area were into it and something to do when there was nothing, you know, when the waves were bad or we don't want to skate anymore. And yeah, we just kind of dicked around and, yeah, <laughs> and that's kind of how it got. Yeah, how it definitely. So. Um, and how does it, uh, so you get a little older, say you're in your twenties, yep. uh, you're still fishing, as much or not as much when you were you were in your mid twenties. So it's interesting. I um obviously after high school, um I left actually lived in Brazil for two years and that's kinda of where my love for cooking kind of really took off. Mm-hmm. Um came Did back. Did you get to fish down in Brazil? No. No. I fished one day and um we handlined. I don't even know what in the world it was. <laughs> there was some kids literally on a bridge over like a like so the it's interesting. I lived in the Pacific or in the north, the northeastern part of Brazil, uh-huh. and actually lived on both sides of the Amazon. Wow! And um, again, it's a very poverty stricken part of the country. Mm-hmm. Um, so people are really, you know, it's. I mean, it's it's hand over fist day by day down there. Wow. So I met one guy actually that actually like rod and reel real fished, uh-huh. and we were trying to go, but we couldn't get our schedules to line up and it was actually a long drive to where he liked to go fishing and stuff. So we never made it work. But yeah. I remember one day there were some kids and they were fishing off of, um, literally fishing off of like this little wood bridge over a um, drainage ditch that ran out. Like, so the whole town and everything, all the, all the gray water, whatever you want to call it, ran down and then would go out. Mm-hmm. And uh, <laughs> these little kids were handlining fish. And uh, so we stopped and talked to them and, you know, I, I would, they were eating them and I would never eat a fish out of that, but it was fun at least for, you know, talk to them for, you know, 20 minutes, half hour, yeah, and pull yeah, a fish out. Definitely. And I don't even know what it was, but it was about yay big, but that's cool. We ate a lot of seafood down there. I mean, yeah. we ate everything from piranhas to stingrays to crabs to a lot of fish and chicken and stuff. So, yeah. but back to your original question, sorry. Um, so anyways, I came back, moved back to San Diego with my wife, uh, in 09 and I uh, was surfing a bunch, um, getting super frustrated cause it was always crowded and uh, my wife was like, why do you, you know, you go serve when you come home, you're like more pissed off than when you <laughs> left. <laughs> That's a really good observation. She's like, yeah, you should probably find like another hobby or something. And my uncle, I have an uncle that's uh, nine months older than me. And he, um, uh, he actually, him and I fished a lot, hung out a lot and surfed a lot. And um, yeah, he had some, some personal issues and he came back to visit my grandma after doing a little stint and rehab on the East coast. And mm-hmm. um my dad was like, Hey, why don't we take him fishing? You know, why don't we go spend some time together? And, uh, this was probably about four years ago, four or five years ago. And it rained that day. And my dad was like, I'm not going to go. So we went down to mission Bay and we rented one of the little, um, dinghies, uh-huh. um, little skiffs there. It was like 60 bucks for the day. And just him and I, I swear we were the only ones on the bay and just two little spinning reels, a couple of white swim baits and just had a heyday. And that was oh, it. Man. It clicked for me. I'm like, all right, this is a hobby. My <laughs> wife told me to look for it. 
you know, that's what's great about it. It's like every time you go, you're with people you want to be with. Yeah. And you get to choose when you want to go. And I can go in the middle of the night and I can go early yeah. in the morning. And I can, you know, and you're hanging out with people you want to be with. So, Fun yeah, time. it's been the focus for the last probably five years. That's cool, man. Yeah. And then let's talk about how you came about being part of Traeger. Yeah. So, um, same thing, like, you know, growing up in a single parent home, I was responsible for cooking a lot of my own meals. So kind of got into cooking that way. Like, but the same stuff, top ramen, top ramen with eggs, top ramen with hot sauce, top ramen with hot dogs, you know? And then, you know, my mom would get those little, uh, what are they? Those little frozen meat patties. Do you remember these? And they had the like frozen butters in the, in the pack and like, I don't, you'd fry them up. I, I've been trying to find them. You'd fry them up and. You thought you were so like, you know, I'm like, yeah, I'm in here front of frozen meat patty. <laughs> Stand back. I know what I'm doing. And then, um, so anyways, I, you know, I kind of just, you know, got used to cooking and then living in Brazil, um, you know, especially where we were at, everything costs money, like stuff yeah. we take for granted. So the, like cooking on a stove, which we do and don't think about it to them, it's a luxury because it costs it's propane takes to, to, you know, takes propane. So they literally, their stove is hooked up to a five gallon propane tank. Wow. They barely use it and stuff. So a lot of stuff is cooked over fire. Mm-hmm. I mean, I would probably say 85% of my meals were cooked over fire. Everything from boiling the water for the beans wow. and the rice to actually either barbecuing the food or braising the meat or whatever it was they were doing. So they, that blew my mind. Like, oh my gosh, yeah, I was getting all excited because I can make top ramen with eggs and grill frozen meat and these guys are making entire meals over Mm. a fire in the backyard Wow! and so that for me got really excited so i really got into it and then um i want to say probably about six years ago my buddy hit me up i was like you gotta try one of these trigger grills Mm -hmm. i was like all right i don't know what the thing is and so got one and uh did a tri-tip because that's kind of what we grew up on that was the special meat you know your poor man's prime rib that's what you got on your birthday or christmas like all right i know what this should taste like so i was trying to eliminate variables so grilled up this tri-tip and my wife's best friend was over her and her husband and she's this like super healthy Pilates instructor, <laughs> like doesn't eat meat hardly. And then she ate more tri-tip that night than anybody. <laughs> and I knew I mean, this tastes really good, but I'm like, yeah. wow, the fact that she's eating this, this is weird. Like what's up? And so the, from there it was game on and I just started doing all sorts of stuff. Yeah. Like just experimenting and cooking different meats and, you know, learning and just, you know, adapting it you know and then again the trigger worked great for me because you know i got a small family yeah i work full time and so again it take the it took a lot of the hard work which some people love to do you know tending a fire building a fire you know adding logs every 30 minutes which i respect the heck out of Mm -hmm. but where i'm at in my life you know it just didn't work for me so it was great because i was able to take a lot of stuff that i learned from you know cooking with propane cooking with briquettes cooking with lump charcoal and then adapt that to the grill, the Traeger, and it was just game on. And then a couple of years after that, my buddy hit me up and he's like, hey, I heard they're hiring. You should throw your name in the hat. And four years later, here I am. And it's wow. never in a million years thought I'd be selling barbecues, but <laughs> I never, it was unbelievable. So I feel very fortunate to be able to take something that yeah. you know, I loved and actually provide for my family. So I feel super blessed. That's cool, man. And yeah. I feel like you had a uh, help somewhat getting uh, everyone in Southern California, a lot of the bigger fishermen using Traeger's and I mean, the names, I mean, I think of Traeger, I think of fishing Southern yeah. California, like there's no other, you know? Yeah. So it's kind of cool, man. I mean, it, yeah, it is. It's, it's interesting because, you know, I you know, I mean, the, the grill is what people get psyched on. I mean, I think back to growing up and like when we would catch fish, it was olive oil, lemon pepper yeah. and soy <laughs> sauce and then 
grilled on a propane grill. Like that was every freaking fish meal growing up. That's what it was. And so when I started cooking fish on the Traeger and realizing like I can smoke it, I can do it hot and fast. I can actually, you know, roast it. And then that's when it, it really kind of like, I think opened my eyes to what's capable of fish. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, I mean, you think about what guys do to get these fish, you know, what they put into it, their hearts, their souls, their time, their money. So, you know, to be able to bring it home and cook it and harvest it and make it sustainable and feed your family and have those meals turn out the way they do is, 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 is insane. And so I think it really fits kind of our lifestyle where it's like, yeah, I'm sure we'd all love to hang out and do a 20 hour brisket, but yeah, I got to take care of the kids and I got to go to work and then I want to sneak a surf in or maybe I want to go fish that day. So it's like, I can wake up and put a brisket on and we can go, we can go fish for six hours and come home and have an insane meal. So again, it just kind of boils down to priorities. Like I love to eat. That's a huge priority. Clearly I'm looking overweight, but you know, at the same time I just like to get out and try to catch fish and stuff and spend time with my family. So it works out. Definitely. Yeah. So it's been cool. I mean, it's, you know, the stuff that guys are doing, I mean like Matt Moyer, the stuff he's doing on his trigger is pretty insane. I mean, yeah, that's what gets me excited and kind of helps me move along because, like, I get all these like pictures and people post stuff and they text stuff and like we're sharing recipes and it's just it's it's fun. I mean, it's just yeah. it's rad. To you, so it's, it's kind of like fishing almost, then, like you know, yeah. In a sense, I mean, like a community where you know, like someone's catching something some way. I mean, totally, it's cool. Yeah, it is, and it's 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 funny because it's like you know, I get. People are like, oh, I'm sorry. I'm texting you like these pictures. I'm just so excited. I'm like, dude, I love it. I'm like, this like stokes yeah, me out and yeah. gets me excited. It makes me want to cook more. It makes me want to try yeah. new things and stuff. And so, but I mean, you know, my wife always jokes. She's like, at the holidays, she's like, you're kind of like a therapist almost. I'm like, what do you mean? She's like, these guys like texting you all day long. Like, how do I cook a turkey? This is where it's at. Like, my mother-in-law is going to kill me if I ruin this. Like, what am I going to do? I'm like, dude, just take a deep breath. You're fine. And then they text me like, it turned out insane. It was yeah. the best turkey ever. Yeah. Like, my mother-in-law is all pissed because no one wants her to cook a turkey ever again. And I'm like, that's music to my ears, man. Like, my mom and my my wife haven't cooked a turkey or a prime rib on Christmas or wow. Thanksgiving in six years. That's nice, you know. Man. And then so, it's rad. I love it, you know. Yeah. And so it's exciting because you know my you know my buddies that have been fishing forever, like they get so excited when I call them and tell them like, oh my gosh, like you taught me this and this is what I yeah, I did it and I made it work. I actually did it. Yeah. And it granted, it's like you know a one pound calico, but I get excited, <laughs> you know, and then they humor me like, Oh, good job. You know, but still I get pretty, you know, so it's just fun. It's just, you know, that just keeps the stoke going. And so I love it. So what's your uh, PB calico? My what? Your personal best calico? I thought you were talking about peanut butter. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have no idea. I've no. never weighed a single fish. Yeah. No, just, no. you just go for the biggest you can get. And that's pretty much it. Or you just go out to just fish, <laughs> just to fish. I'm more of a, quantity versus really? quality kind of guy okay so i just i mean because you know if i get to get on the water it's just such a you know it's special to me because it's time that i get to spend with people i like mm. and you know people that mean a lot to me and then you know you're with mother nature and you're in the ocean and you're enjoying it so like if i catch fish it's just the icing on the cake so it's like it's interesting because you know my which is fish- a super cool outlook on fishing compared to a lot of other fishermen yeah you know where you're kind of like i just want to go fishing that's I don't it. really, I mean, of course you want to catch the biggest fish yeah. you can, but you'd rather just be catching, which I'm sure yeah. everyone is, but some people maybe are shooting for yeah. something else. And it's cool to just say, 
I'm cool with catching dinks all day yep. or, you know, whatever. You know. There's a pro surfer, Joel Parkinson, uh-huh. and he said something a long time ago. I don't even remember I heard it, but his whole goal is when he goes for a surf is to catch one good wave. That's it. Yeah. So I adopted, I like kind of took that philosophy to surfing, like, okay, mm-hmm. I just want to catch one good wave. Uh-huh. And then once I started fishing a bunch, I was like, all right, I just want to catch one fish. If I can catch one fish, then, you know, goal achieved, we made it. Yeah. You know, I mean, I think. Going back to personal best, though, I think one of the coolest things I ever saw is my good friend Connor. Him and I have fished a bunch the last few years. He pours his own baits, makes his own sled heads, wraps his own, you know, pours his own lead heads, yeah. wraps his own rods. And we were fishing out at Catalina, and he caught his personal best. And it was whatever it was. It was well over eight, but it was under nine. Yeah. And what was rad, though, was, like, I watched him catch it on a bait he poured on a lead head he poured, on a rod he wrapped. Cool, man. So it was like, other than making that real, I mean, like, he he did it. Out of his own hands. Yeah, like, 100%. oh, this, that's super, super cool. Yeah, and so yeah. for me, that was what was so rad, was to be able to witness that and be a part of that. And, like, you know, we have that to share forever. Yeah. Him and I and yeah. Justin, who was with us as well. And so it's just like, yeah, so for me, that was pretty cool. Yeah, definitely, man, definitely. Yeah. So uh, you said you used to go out. On your surfboards and fish too. Yeah, that's and, cool, man. That's something a little different. I mean, yeah. how uh, what would you be fishing? Just Crocs or yeah, pretty yeah. much. So we fish. We'd paddle out at Cardiff um, Seaside and Swamis in the campgrounds, which mm-hmm. are they're all shut down now. You can't fish them at all. But back then, no one cared. I mean, you could fish any estuary, any lagoon you wanted. Yeah. So yeah, we would just take um, whatever rod paddle out and um yeah just take a couple different size crocodiles and a handful of swim baits and just fish for an hour or two and just in heyday of calicos and barracuda all day long you know That's and good. no one would bug you and you just paddle out and have fun and paddle in yeah and, yeah, yeah definitely. it was fun you know so since being part of trigger girls you travel a lot i do i work a lot do you get to fish in some of those locations with some of your customers or so um i've I've tried. <laughs> it's hard because, you know, when I'm traveling on the road, I'm trying to get home to the family. So I'm trying to pack as much into a trip as possible. Yeah. Um, at one of my accounts in Arizona, um, there's like three or four kids that fish all the urban ponds in the, in the, like the business parks and stuff. Yeah. And so I took a rod and reel a handful of times and we just couldn't get our schedules to work. But yeah, I try to do it. I've tried to do it a couple of times here and there, but we've been able to sneak in a few sessions, but <laughs> definitely not as much as like You'd I like would to. like to, <laughs> which is, I guess the story of our lives at this age. Yeah. So, but no, it's definitely going to be something I want to try to take advantage of. Yeah. I mean, you can do a lot of different spots, you know, 100%. Like everywhere. Yep. So you could try lots of different fisheries. Do you speak Brazilian too? Um, yes, it's actually Portuguese. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> well, it's funny because the guys, it's funny. So the kids would come up and be like, well, how'd you learn to speak? How'd you learn to speak Brazilian? These were the Brazilians saying it to me. I'm like, oh, I learned, you know, here talking to you guys. Like, how many languages do you speak? I'm like, I speak three. They're like, which ones? I'm like, English, Brazilian, and Portuguese. They're like, oh, how'd you learn Portuguese? I'm like, in the streets of Brazil. They're like, what? <laughs> did so, you learn there? I did. I learned there 100%. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. That's wild. I got dude. off the plane. I didn't speak a lick of it. Is that hard? That's true. I wouldn't say it was hard. I was forced into it because, like, where I was right out of the gate, there was no one that spoke English. Yeah. So I didn't have a choice. But it got to the point where, like, when I came home, I was dreaming in Portuguese. Yeah. Yeah. How was it the whole time down there? Is it kind of a different experience to seeing, like, a, see anything crazy down there? Was there everyone pretty 
chill. I mean, because you've heard, I've heard a lot of crazy stories yeah. about Brazil. And it, it's like a, the dudes are crazy. <laughs> the, it, some of the, I know it's, especially like the surf community and stuff. They say the Brazilians are all aggro and like North Shore, you know, Brazilians are here more aggro than ever, you know. And, but for, me, I have a different view because I lived with them. Mm-hmm. I mean, they took me and they took care of me. They fed me, you know. Yeah. And so for me, it's it's a special place. The food's unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, the food down there is just that's what I miss the most. Mm-hmm. You know, is the is the food they cook, the way they cook the meat, the way they cook it, and you know, the rice and the beans and the way that stuff all comes together is insane. And so yeah. I've talked to a couple guys who were talking about, you know, in the next few years trying to plan a trip down there to go fish, especially if there's those peacock bass and yeah, stuff. And then, you know, really, enjoy, you know, take in the whole, you know, the whole experience from, you know, spending some days on land, really, you know, going back to where I lived and yeah. showing those guys around there. And then again, just getting lost. And they do like mothership. From what I understand, they do like these little mothership trips. So it's like, it looks like those old uh, casino boats yeah. from like, you know, the South, <laughs> you sleep on that. And then they have skiffs off the back of that. Wow. So it's expensive and, you know, so you got to save up and plan, but yeah, one of that, that, and for me, that'd be like from a fishing standpoint, be a dream trip. Then you got to get the boss's approval at home, huh? Oh, that boss. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Good luck on that one. Huh? <laughs> it's got to figure out how to make it a work. Trip. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to start talking about triggers in Brazil. <laughs> I'm going to have to go. <laughs> So, oh man yeah let's talk about uh some of the stuff you like to make on uh the grill maybe something uh you really like to make that anyone could really cook oh man so i like so when i first started we'd go and like you know talk to people at the grill we'd make ribs and we make brisket and all this stuff and people were getting really psyched about it but they were like, ah, I'm not going to make this. I've never made brisket. I've never really made ribs. I made them in a crock pot once. Like, they weren't that good. Like, I'm, this isn't for me. Mm-hmm. So I kind of switched to, like, to demonstrate showing people stuff we're used to, like, ruining, essentially. So, like, chicken. Barbecuing good chicken is really difficult on a gas or a charcoal grill. You know, everyone's been there. You've been into a burnt piece of chicken, and it's raw on the inside, you know. Bratwurst, but then tri-tip. You know, I kind of just, I've always been in love with that piece of meat. And so for me, um, you know, I kind of just started cooking a ton of it. I mean, I had one year where I cooked, I counted 279 tri-tip in one year, you know, and um, it's just for me, I love cooking tri-tip. I'll eat it. I'll eat it constantly. My kids love it. It's just, (laughs) it never gets old. And like every time we go fish, I bring a tri-tip. I'll cook it the night before and like. It's better cold the next day. Yeah. You know, yeah. and so. Um, or with eggs, huh? <laughs> oh, now you're talking my language. <laughs> you know, and then you take the cold pieces, like a big thick one, and then you put like a skillet and you just put a bunch of butter and then you fry oh, them oh, in the man, butter. That's probably so good. <laughs> so you don't look this good, dude, without eating like that. I mean, come on. Oh, dude. You, know, you got to work hard to look good. So. Some do it in the gym, I do it in the kitchen. So, yeah. Really, what it is? Damn, you have any like uh, funny stories about your time at Traeger? Like any, uh, you know, rookie moves or anything like that, or even yeah. fishing? You know, just a general. Oh, I got a million fishing ones. Like, how, some, how much time some... do you have? <laughs> <laughs> I've made a lot of let's, mistakes. Let's hear fishing. Your, uh, your best fishing uh, rookie mistake. Oh, my best one. Jeez, Louise, I've I don't know. I farmed so many fish; it's unbelievable. Like, you know. <laughs> 
drag to type, whatever. I think the biggest lesson I learned though, like from a boating standpoint uh-huh. was um, my girlfriend in high school, her parents had a little like old ski boat and they, they lived on the lagoon in um, Carlsbad. Uh-huh. So we fished the lagoon a lot, but then we'd also like go wakeboarding and stuff. And um, <clears throat> they, uh, they let us like, you know, use it and everything. So we had a bunch of people in the boat and um, I'm sitting in the back and we're driving around. And this is one of those old ski boats where the engine's in the middle and it has the engine compartment yeah. and it like folds down and opens. And all of a sudden I'm like sitting in the back and I'm looking around the engine compartment. First of all, I'm looking at the wake going, wow, the wake's humongous. Like, this is great. Well, you know, like, oh, check this out. And then I see water spewing out of the oh. engine compartment. So I grab the handle, I lift it up and it's just flush full and i'm looking over the edge and the bow is just spewing water and i stick my hand straight down and i'm like oh there's no plug my fingers like underneath the boat <sighs> luckily it was we're it's a small again so we yeah. literally just beached it. it yeah <laughs> just beached it <laughs> and then just yeah turn the bilge on and pumped it all out and then luckily the plug is right there put it back in and Thank God, enjoy yeah. the rest of the day so <laughs> but yeah i mean i've done yeah i mean it's just you know tying bad knots and yeah, a lot of really bad casts. Yeah, you know, I've pulled up on what would have been great fish and freaking blew the cast. So definitely, yeah. dude, so. definitely. <laughs> and uh, oh, go on. I'm sorry. Oh I'm no, you no, no. But uh, so when you go out fishing, um, do you have a style you like to try, or do you do you just uh, whatever you're gonna go do that day? If it's swim baits or if it's you know, Alabama rig, whatever. Yeah. Um, I like to just do whatever I'm going fishing with the people I'm going fishing. So with. usually what the dudes are throwing, you like to throw. Yeah. Okay. You know, cause again, for me, I'm learning so much, mm-hmm. you know, every time I fish, I learn something new, whether it's, I mean, just tons of different stuff. And so, you know, I try to get out of my comfort zone the best that I can, mm-hmm. um, and try to get away from, what I would consider like convenience fishing, you know, where it's like, oh, I'm just going to cast off this side of the boat because it's easy because there's no one standing next to me and yeah. I can just make a million casts, but the fish may not be over there. So, you know, so I try to just learn and grow and try to, you know, pick up new things. So if we're going to go fish and you're like, yeah, this is what I want to fish. This is the style of fishing. I'm like, sweet. I've never done that. Like I'm well, let's do it all day. You know, I want to learn super, how to do it. Yeah. Super cool to outlook just yeah. from a, uh, you're still learning, you know? Oh, yeah. yeah, I know. So it's like a cool, like the black tide guys we kind of talked. We're not all Justin where we grew up. <laughs> <laughs> I still learn. <laughs> I have to relearn some stuff. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And, and then I mean, you, it's cool to, to see someone else's outlook, you know, just someone that's a little newer to it too. Yeah. It doesn't mind still learning. I'm sure everyone still learns all the time. But yeah. Yeah. And I realized too that a lot of stuff we were doing, like I've talked to my dad about this, like, there's a lot of dumb luck, you know, I mean, like <laughs> a lot of it, you yeah. know, where like we'd go down, you know, to the Sea of Cortez and we just go troll around and we'd catch a bunch of Dorado. And we're like, ah, it's easy. Anyone can do this. But it was like, oh, we just got super lucky. Like we didn't have electronics on the boat for crying out loud, you know? And then, you know, and so, you know, same thing with like Pat on out at Cardiff and like, you know, just burning freaking crocodiles and swim baits and you know you're not letting them sink i'm not trying to work the water column yeah. i'm not doing any of this yeah. like i'm just casting and retrieving casting and retrieving and we caught them you yeah. know some days we didn't yeah. some days we did you know just so it was so for me it's a lot of learning and trying to figure it out you know so yeah. like when i fish with guys a lot of times like i like to fish in the stern of the boat in the back of the boat because 
you know, I want to listen to what they're doing. I want to listen to, you know, when they're engaging the rail, when they're putting in a free spool, you know, I want to watch where they're casting. I want to watch how often they're switching out their baits. I want to see, you know, and then I try to ask a lot of questions too, you know. I yeah. Mean, at first I was like kind of like intimidated to ask questions, you Definitely, know. yeah. But, you know, but there's so many cool guys out there. Like, you know, I'd go to seminars and stuff all the time and I was like, oh, that's so-and-so like he's gnarly you know like, i really want to ask him this question and i'm like because i grew up surfing you know and i'm older and you know i was like oh those dudes are gnarly you don't look at them you don't talk to them like yeah oh you don't you don't paddle up like oh what board is that who shaved that you know I'm like beat it kook, you know <laughs> so but what's cool is like all these guys i've interacted with at seminars and stuff they're really cool and so yeah. i just you know i think of questions like you know of, you know i have questions of I want to ask certain people when I, you know, if I ever bump into them at a seminar or something, because, you know, I want to keep moving, you know, my, my fishing knowledge and, you know, get to a point where, you know, I can hopefully pass on to my kids and stuff like that. So for me, that's the fun of it. You know, it's just the same thing with cooking. I mean, when I started barbecuing, no one was really doing it. Yeah. And the dudes that were doing it were like competition barbecue guys that were super grumpy and didn't want to talk to you (laughs) and didn't have like, you know, and so you're trying to piece all this stuff together. I remember when I first started barbecuing, like, you know, I couldn't find much stuff, super basic. The stuff was super outdated. And so I'm trying to piece everything together. And, you know, now, um, you know, people are super open to helping out and progressing the sport or progressing the cook. And, and and so it's really cool. So I just, like I said, it's constantly learning. And, you know, I've been very fortunate with my job to interact with a lot of people that have won a lot of things. They've been on TV shows. They've won big tournament or big competitions and stuff. And so I have those, those people as resources. So the one thing I love about my job is I get to interact with them and then take that knowledge. And, you know, I'm essentially a conduit. Like I've never been on TV. I've never won a cooking competition. Like, my biggest claim to fame is that 279 tri dips I've cooked, you know? <laughs> and so, but what's rad is I can take the stuff I learned from them and I can pass it on. Yeah. And what's cool is a lot of times people come and ask me questions like, oh, what about this? I'm like, I don't have any idea, but let's call so-and-so, you know, let's call yeah. Diva, let's call Matt Pittman or let's call, you know, Curtis or let's call Chad Ward and let's talk to these people and see what they say, yeah. you know, and they'll, they'll text you back and they'll answer your phone and then you can pass that information on. So I kind of took that same philosophy and kind of tried to apply it to whatever it is I'm yeah doing. definitely definitely that's mm-hmm. super cool man um now do you have a favorite like spotty do you like fishing spotties more than calico do you like fishing calico oh, is it again the same thing if i can get out i'm gonna fish whatever i can yeah i mean i'll you know i have one or two poles for you know for everything uh-huh. you know setups or whatever you want to call it i still call it a fishing pole i don't care if people <laughs> think that's lame it's always be a fishing pole to me it's a uh, rod bro yeah dude <laughs> freaking coot call it a fishing pole yeah um like yeah no i love fishing spotties i think it's fun and you know a lot of those spots that we used to fish growing up are kind of pressured now so it's kind of you know i can see where some people would be frustrated by that but you know adds to the challenge to an extent so i try to look at it that way like well now i just got to get smarter than these other anglers but then also get smarter than these fish and figure that out you know they've probably seen everything so you've seen a lot of your uh where you fish down in san diego a lot of stuff closed uh, and I'm sure a lot of pressure. I mean, it's a pretty big fishery and you got a lot of fishermen down there Yeah, and probably Instagram a lot. Yeah. I mean, that's a lot of, a. we talked about previous, you know, but I think that's a big, a big, uh, impact on the sport Instagram. You know? Yeah. It's interesting because in barbecue, there's a ton of people that are posting pictures and stuff like that. And you know, and so, but the difference is it's not like you're going to look at a picture of a brisket and be like, 
where'd you cook that brisket? <laughs> what, what'd you use to cook that brisket? You know, and you're like, ah, oh, you just freaking these, this flavor wood and this rub. And yeah. This is how I did it. Here you go. Yeah. I cook every brisket this way, you know? Yeah. So the difference now is, you know, people are looking and stuff. But what was interesting is like, even I remember growing up with like friends that skated, like. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, motion sounds something like this. Kizik helps you experience the magic of motion. With over 200 patents and easy on, easy off technology, you'll never have to touch your shoes again. There are hundreds of styles and colors, plus a squish like nothing you've ever felt. For a limited time, get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Skate spots were like super sacred. Yeah. You know, and even like some surf spots, like... No, you can't get pictures of defining stuff, you know, but, you know, I don't know. It's for me, you know, I think it's great because I've learned so much through Instagram, whether it's about cooking or fishing and stuff like that. So I appreciate, you know, the guys that are willing to, you know, open up and share their knowledge and pass it on and be accessible to people. Yeah, definitely. Pretty cool. Super cool. Super Mm -hmm. cool. Yeah. And then um, so today, too, we're going to do grilling with the guest. And we're cooking, uh, what are we cooking today? Man, so right now on the grill, we have um, some prime ribeyes. And we got two Uh tri-tips. And we're doing what's called the reverse sear method. Um, And uh, it's, when I kind of, I learned that I I was, again, I, I spend a lot of time like, you know, on YouTube and stuff, looking at different ways about cooking and understanding meat qualities and how people grade meat and mm-hmm. what they're looking for so you know because when i go to buy a steak or buy a piece of meat like i just don't go walk up and grab it and mm-hmm. i spend time like my wife won't go grocery shopping with me <laughs> because like i'm gonna spend 30 to 40 minutes picking out a brisket like if i'm gonna pay 50 bucks for a brisket and i'm gonna dedicate 14 to 16 hours to cook that thing yeah. like what's well, another half hour to find the one that i think will work best. yeah you know and so yeah, you know, that's one thing I was I was taught, and I always try to tell people is like take your time picking out the meat, you know, because if you don't spend your time up front picking out the right piece, the end, the end result is not going to be that great, you know. And and get to know the people you're buying your meat from. Like I buy all most of my meat from Costco and Stater Brothers, you know. And yeah. So I know who the guys are, and you know I can call them and ask them for certain things, and I, you know I you know their job is to to help you pick out the right meat. So. Yeah. You know, a lot of times if I go to Costco and I'm looking for a brisket and I don't see any in the case that look good, like I'll ask them like, hey, can you bring out some more boxes of briskets and let me look through them? No one's ever said no. Yeah. Like, yeah, no problem. Like I'm just sitting here cutting meat for like last hour. I'll come out and talk to you and hang out here and (laughs) I'll go through three cases of brisket to find the one I think looks best. Yeah. And same thing, you know, I'll go to the store and I'll look through all the ones on the rack and then I'll have them move all the ones around and they don't care. They've never, no one's, no one's ever been frustrated, but. I think that's going to benefit your cooks is finding that right piece of meat. You yeah. Know? And so that's the one, one of the, like one thing I've learned that has been huge for me, you know, and then obviously what you look for is totally yeah, that's, different. That's kind of like, so if you could, 
give like say I'm on a barbecue and I want to cook a brisket. What should yeah. I look for when I'm looking for a piece of meat? So what's funny is like you can it's the compare like it's funny. I mean like surfing, fishing, skateboarding, like barbecue. There's you know it's so different but so similar. Like you know like oh I'm gonna fish this one. You know this bait or I'm gonna look for this. But it, you can get a million answers to this. You know and again I, I'm no expert when it comes to this stuff. Like I'm just a dude that loves to eat. And if you've ever seen me, that's quite apparent. And, <laughs> you know, and then just I think got, we all love yeah. eating this room. So. And then I'm amongst, I'm amongst my brothers. Yes. <laughs> and, um, but you know, and then just got lucky working for, for Traeger. But so like when I go and pick out a brisket, I'm looking for the grain. I want to be able to identify the grain pretty easily. Um, I'm looking for fat content. Um, what's the grain? If I like, I no, you're no totally clue. fine. So like, I'll show you when we slice that uh-huh. tri tip, there's, grain in the muscles uh-huh. and if you you want to slice everything obviously against the grain because if you slice it with it it's just long pieces of meat yeah very stringy hard to eat so like flank steak a lot of people don't like flank steak my wife loves it but if you cook it right and then you slice it thin against the grain try tips the same way like a lot of people don't like try tip or like yeah it's good but it's so chewy it's like well you're cutting these huge chunks and you're doing it the wrong way so yeah part of it's how you you know you serve it and so i'm looking for that those strains and those grains and which way they're going i'm looking for the fat content not the fat on the outside but the fat on the inside of the meat mm-hmm. you know um so like how much of that good fat is like embedded into it um i'm taking a look at the fat cap i'm looking at like how thick it is um uh, a brisket has two pieces to it a point and a flat um and they're connected by fat mm-hmm. you know connective tissues and stuff and so there's a big some guys call it the kernel. It's like this huge chunk of white waxy fat. It's not good fat. How much of it is that there? And okay. How much can I get in and cart and, and trim out? Um, and then I'm looking for when it was packed. Yeah. So I want to know when, you know, some places you can actually figure out when the cow was killed. Wow. When you can determine how long that piece of meat has been in a car, you know, the car backpack. Some guys will, you know, they'll wet age it. And so they'll leave it in their refrigerator for, you know, a certain amount of days. I'm not a huge fan of that personally, Yeah, but you know, I'm going to look for it and I'm going to see how it bends. I'm going to pick it up. You know, I don't want one that's super, um, super th- um, stiff. I want one that's more flimsy. Okay. Um, then the other thing too, which you can't test at the store, but you know, when you open it you're looking for a distinct smell. And my buddy Curtis nations, the dude, the raddest dude in the world, um, quiet, very soft spoken, but that dude knows so much about barbecue. <laughs> so I was, hot. I was, he was, we were cooking one time together and we're trimming the stuff. And I'm asking him, like, you know, what, do, what are we looking for? What do I need to do? What do you like to do? And he's like, oh, he's like, I know it's a good brisket, like right when I open the pack. Yeah. I'm like, what do you mean? He goes, just smells good. I'm like, what do you mean it smells good? He goes, it smells like a beef fart. <laughs> I'm like, a what? <laughs> he's like, a beef fart. He's like, smell this one. And he's like, See, it just kind of has a distinct smell, but it doesn't necessarily smell bad, but it kind of smells good. <laughs> and I was like, holy moly. Like, so now you look for the beef I'm looking for. I'm trying to figure <laughs> out the beef fart. I was at Costco one time, and like I was doing my thing, and this old guy's like, what are you doing? I'm like, oh, I'm looking for a brisket. He's like, oh, I thought so. You know. And so we, he started asking me, and I'm like, oh, make sure you smell it. He's like, what do you mean? I'm like, you smell like a beef fart. <laughs> and he like looked at me like I just told him like his hair was on fire or something. So. But it's funny. Like it, I've gotten to that point now where it's like, I'm like smelling my meat when I pull it out. That sounds really weird to say. But <laughs> never really actually said that out loud. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's just, it, but that's, it, that's the fun of it to me, you know? And then at the end of the day, when I'm done with that cook and that brisket didn't turn out how I thought, I'm like going all the way back to the beginning. Like crap. Okay. I didn't pick this one. This one. Why? So, 
the one thing I wish I would have done a lot better of in both fishing and in cooking mm-hmm. is taking better notes. I think, yeah, that's a, that's a good, that's what I was going to say. The next question was how consistent are you when you usually make your, uh, your meat? Like, yeah. are you pretty like same one almost every time? And did that take a minute to get to the point where you could, you could make the same tasting meat every time? Yeah. It, so, yeah, the question we get, that at least I get asked that we get asked all the time. And like, you know, Danielle DVQ, I've heard her answer this question a lot and a bunch of different guys and stuff. Mm-hmm. Everyone always goes, how long is it going to take me to cook this? How long is it going to take me to cook this? How long is it going to take me to cook it? And the way it was described to me that made the most sense is the way Danielle says it, Diva, she's like, it's going to take as long as it takes. And she's <laughs> like, that's it. And you're like, all right, cool. But she's right. She's right. Yeah. You know, you can't, you can't hurry a cook up. It's not like you're like, hey, guys, like, I got to be home by lunch. Can you get this bite started? Like, when are these fish going to start biting? Like, meat and fish are very similar where they're going to do their own thing, and they're going to do it when they want to do it. Exactly. You know? And so the way it was described to me that made the most sense is that that beef or or, or meat, every cut is like a snowflake. Oh, As cheesy as that sounds and as weird as it sounds, it's the truth. No, No two cuts of meat are exactly alike. Yeah. So different cuts of meat are going to cook at different rates based on, you know, their fat content, based on a lot of different factors. And so, for example, I didn't know this, but cows are right-handed and left-handed. Wow. Weird, huh? Yeah. So there's guys (laughs) that specifically only buy left-handed briskets. Wow. So what a brisket is, it's pectoral muscle, essentially, of a cow, more or less. I'm not a butcher, so some guy's listening probably going, no. (laughs) It's actually the finest. I'm like, yeah. Anyways, it's, it's in this region right here. Yeah. And I'm pointing to my chest. So there uh-huh. you go. And um, think about it this way. If you have a cow that's always standing up and sitting down and using the right side to you, to, 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 to push itself up. Strong. It's going to be stronger. Yeah. It's going to be leaner, less fat. It's going to take a lot longer to break down mm-hmm. versus a baby size. Yeah. So like if we arm wrestle and we're both right-handed, it's going to be an even match. Yeah. You know, pretty simple. So guys are like, will specifically look and order like left-handed briskets. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And so... Each piece of meat is going to take a long, a different amount of time. And so the one thing I was taught is if someone knows like what they're doing, they should be able to serve you like three different pieces of like pulled pork or three different slices of brisket. And you shouldn't be able to tell which one took 10 hours and which one took 16. Mm -hmm. Because again, it's about cooking it to the temperature and the consistency you want it to be at. For me, it's a consistency. So like I have what's called a a thermo pin. Mm -hmm. It's by a company called Thermoworks. It's an instant read thermometer. Um, And I know when I put it into a pork butt, for example, and I let go, I know at what rate I want that thermo pin to sink. Wow. But again, I'm I'm lucky where I cook a ton of pork for for my job. Yes. So I've cooked a lot of it, you know. So again, it gets down to that, just figuring it out. So back to your original question, which was, you know, can you cook it consistently every time? Everyone that I've ever talked to and interacted with that's like does cooking for a living is like get a really good thermometer. And remember, you can always keep meat warm, but you can't speed a cook up. Yeah. You know, it's really hard. I can't, you know, I can't just be like, oh, I'm just going to crank to 400. It's going to be done in an hour, you know? Yeah. So 
So again, get yourself a good cooler, you know, and what's cool is like I plan for 14 to 16 hours for a brisket, depending on size and stuff. Yeah. But if it finishes at 10 hours, I can keep it wrapped in tinfoil, put in a couple of beach towels and stick it in a cooler and it's going to stay hot as a pistol for four to five hours. Wow. So again, it's just knowing those things, you know, and trying to, because if you want to plan, like I want to pull this brisket off right when you come over, Nick and Justin, like it's not going to happen. <laughs> it's a temperamental piece of meat. The yeah. ones that you have that have to be done. They're going to be like, you know what? I'm going to take my sweet ass time. And that brisket's going to go into a crazy stall and it's not going to be done for 18 hours. Yeah. So again, it's just, yeah. you know, and practice. The other thing too that I learned. Hey, time on the grill. Time on the water. <laughs> <laughs> just like time on the water. I guess the more you do it, the better you 100%. And the other thing too that like I, I was taught and I try to tell people is like, do practice cooks. Yeah. Yeah. Like I tell guys like, oh, I'm going to do, I'm, do, I'm going to do the turkey. I'm freaking out. I'm like. You got two weeks. Go buy a small turkey and cook one. Like, yeah. It will mellow you out. It will calm you down. So like, same thing. Like, I practice casting all the time because like, I don't want to pull up and have an opportunity <laughs> and farm it like I've done a million times. So yeah. I'm like, dude, that's it. I'm, I'm just going to cast. Yeah. You know, so I'll go down with my son who's six and we'll go down to Lagoon or we'll go down to the harbor in Oceanside and we'll just cast. And, yeah. You know, I'll check baits, see which ones are swimming good and stuff. But it's like. Yeah, it's same thing with cooking. So it's just practice, you know? So yeah. same thing. If you want to do something you've never done and you're going to serve people and you're worried about it, just do a practice cook. What about uh, ribs? Do you have a certain way you like cooking ribs? Oh, I love, ribs, are, it was funny you say that. I was thinking last night, I haven't done ribs in a while. Um, simple. Like, um, there's a recipe called the 321 recipe. It's a super popular one. Mm-hmm. Um, I... I personally not a super big fan of it for a bunch of different reasons, but people serve make really good ribs, you uh-huh. know. So mine's kind of modified, so I smoke them on the grate, on the grill grate for a couple hours. And again, I'm testing for like you know the finish. I'm testing for some temperatures and stuff. But and then after that, I wrap them, double wrap them in aluminum foil, and then I put. Um, you can put whatever you want in them. That's what's cool. I always put liquid though. Every time I wrap, I put liquid, whether it's a brisket, whether it's ribs, whether it's a pork butt. Um, so I do, um, cause I'm healthy. I use Diet Coke <laughs> <laughs> and butter and a little bit more rub, whatever rub I put on there. And then wow. I tighten it up. There's like a lot of people like to do, um, like sugary stuff works really good. Um, so like apple juice is very popular and then you can put a bunch of butter, a bunch of honey, a bunch of brown sugar and wrap it up and it just makes this like syrupy like, and that's what braises it. Yeah. So that second, that second step, which is when it's wrapped, if you want firmer ribs that you kind of have to like bite and pull off the bone, which is what I prefer, I don't wrap them for a super long time. Okay. But if you want them like falling off the bone, then leave them in there for a lot longer time because they're braising in those juices and that's what breaks them down. Um, funny story that's not mine, but I'm going to say it anyways. Yeah. Curtis won't carry such a stud. <laughs> so he started competing a long time ago and like, he didn't know anything. You yeah. Know? And so he started showing, he showed up and they're like doing their thing. And he started noticing that everyone was putting liquid in when they're wrapping their meat. And he's like, I wonder why they're doing that. So he asked one guy, the guy's like, oh, cause you know, it's a brazen stage helps break it down, blah, 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 blah. It's like, dude, he's like, so he went back to his partner and he's like, dude, he's like, we should put liquid in there. And the guy's like, we don't really have anything we can use because they're all using sodas and all this stuff and they're like Cokes and juices and purees and this stuff. And he's like, the only thing they had was Mountain Dew. (laughs) So he's like, let's just put some Mountain Dew in it. Like, who cares? Do the Dew. (laughs) Yeah, do the Dew on the barbecue. And so he poured it in there, wrapped it up, and they freaking won. They won the comp. No way. Won the comp. And so 
all of a sudden they started winning and they're like well, we didn't change the recipe we just kept using mountain dew dude no way so it yeah. worked for him and curtis awesome. is rad because like if you go to a comp- barbecue competition which like like you see some guys like it's locked down like fort knox yeah like covered on their pop-up tent they don't want anyone seeing what they're doing and other guys are just like yeah come on over you know yeah and so you know and there's guys in the fishing world that do that you know you hear those yeah, stories of guys yeah. that are like i'll purposely like i'll purposely rig up these 12 baits and i'll, I'll put them up in my <laughs> rod holders so they can see them yeah it was there who said yeah. that and then i change everything you know which makes me laugh so that's great yeah i think it's fantastic <laughs> but curtis is the same way and then he said they started winning and then all of a sudden they started noticing that all these other teams were like starting to wrap their meats with Mountain Dew, and so like the guy started doing it. Oh. Yeah, so there's like four. I guess there was a handful of other teams that were doing it, and this was a long time ago. But again, anything I've yeah. used anything like cream soda. I mean, I remember one time I was cooking somewhere. I was at one of my, I was at a store up in San Luis Obispo, and uh, it was really cool. A customer came in and was like, you know, hey, we want to, you know, if I might bring a bunch of racks of ribs and we cook them for the employees, you know, and like yeah. And uh, the one thing I forgot was to have him. I, he went to the store. I forgot him to get juice. I didn't mm-hmm. have anything to wrap him with, but they had uh, Martinelli sparkling cider. And so I used that and it turned out killer. So I started <laughs> using Martinelli's for a long time. So again, just experiment, have fun yes, with it. New York seltzer. Remember that stuff? Yeah. yeah. They just started making it. Yeah. Did they? I think so. Yeah. No way. I love New York mm-hmm. seltzer. Man, that was awesome. Yeah. I tried, we tried making ribs. My wife made like, Three or four different times, and it was a hit and miss. It is. It's weird because my wife likes cooking, mm-hmm. and she doesn't eat meat. She likes cooking, you know, everything, it's, and she won't try it, so it's kind of weird that she'll make everything. <laughs> it's and, like the perfect combo. She just wants to cook you barbecue yeah. all day long, but then you eat it, so it's more for you. She's the one always grilling. It sounds horrible. That's she, so awesome. Yeah, she's the one always on. I didn't know how to start the charcoal barbecue. <laughs> really? I had no fucking clue. And she figured it out. I'm like, cool, man. That's so good. Yeah, that's a but that's cool. Like uh, hearing you know the the barbecue stories. So you've been, you've sat in on a lot of competitions. I've been to a ton of competitions and observed and watched and stuff. Um, I work a lot of weekends and then with kids it's hard. And I mean it's it's I have so much respect for people that competition cook. That's you know, crazy because you're looking. trying to jam in. I mean it's I mean think about you know when you're fishing you know tournaments it's like okay you, you know we're all leaving at five thirty but you got to be back here at three thirty like that's stressful enough. Now imagine if on top of that, you had to turn in four species of fish. You know, okay, we're you got to bring your yellowtail in at uh, three o'clock, and then you got to bring your calico in to be weighed at three thirty, and then you got to bring you know your spotties in at four o'clock. That's essentially what these guys are doing. So the four main meats are brisket, pulled pork ribs, and chicken thighs, bone into chicken thighs, and they have to turn them in one right after another after another, and it's 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 clockwork. You know, wow. you get penalized if it's late. Like there's so. Yeah, I, it's it's crazy. It's Should people flip out at him? Oh, yeah, for sure. Fight? Uh, I haven't heard it that bad, but... <laughs> I always <laughs> like hearing the crazy stuff Oh yeah, that happens at places. Just, yeah. Because you know people are probably getting so intense, you know? Like, yep. I'm sure like anything else, dude, you know? Yeah. I was at the DMV yesterday, and I was ready to lose my shit. <laughs> Watch this guy cutting the line, and I was like... I don't awesome. want to make a scene. Uh-huh. I'm like, I want to say, hey, asshole, yeah. get in the back of the line. Like, <laughs> I was there at 6.30 in the morning, dude. I was like. <laughs> dude, that sounds like my wife. She's like, just calm down. Yeah. <laughs> saying, that's one nice thing is I drive a work truck now. It has like my the work logos dude, on it. Yeah. So you got to be Ray Mellow. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I say. You can't be like, hey, yelling at people no. because they can see you. But I do have people like I'll be in traffic and they'll pull up and be like, out your window. I'll roll it down like, hey, how do I cook, how do I cook ribs? <laughs> 
<laughs> hey, my girls, you know, how do I do this? And I'm like, we're in traffic on the 405 and like, and you can't go anywhere. So yeah. you're stuck with the dude. So I started like, if I'm not in a, you know, friendly mood, I just roll all my windows down and then I'll just play Slayer full blast. <laughs> <Rainy> <laughs> and nobody wants to talk to you at that point. So yeah. No, that's super cool though. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, really cool stuff, man. Uh, we love the, uh, all your pictures, man. Those those are sick. Thank you. You got a lot of cool pictures. Uh, cooking makes me hungry. <laughs> but Thank uh, you. yeah, that's one thing I noticed. That's why I kind of hit you up. I'm like, dude, yeah. I love barbecue. I just I'm not good at it. And so it's like it, it's uh, yeah. And that's the thing about the trigger. Like it 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 makes it's it takes a lot of the variables out of it. You yeah. Know? And I mean that's really what it boils down to. I mean when you're going out fishing, you're taking you're trying to eliminate variables. You know, and when you're cooking, you want to eliminate variables. And yeah. so. The hard part, which is maintaining temperatures in a grill and, you know, getting good wood flavor, the trigger does all that, you know, yeah. so it gives the ability to cook and experiment and have fun. So I, it's funny, like people, I mean, like, yeah, people will cook their first prime rib and send me a picture and it looks insane. <laughs> You're like, that's amazing. Like, I can't believe this. Like, you know, and yeah, again, it's like, you know, and I tell people too, like, feel, like, you know, feel free to hit me up. If you see something that I post and you want to know how I cook, then shoot me a tech, a DM, you know, and. Most of my recipes that I've gotten from other people, I've you know they're all typed up already, so it's easy for me to copy paste. So yeah, don't ever definitely. hesitate if anybody's out there interested. Very nice. And where can they reach you at? Um, just my Instagram is Tubby Surfs. Mm-hmm. It's T U B B Y S U R F S. Emphasis on Tubby. <laughs> <laughs> and uh if someone wants to buy a trigger where they just go to, to the website or the, uh, locally do they sell yeah them? there's a ton of really good um we got a ton of good dealers in southern california okay. um depending on where you're at i would just recommend because i have no idea where these people in podcast world are um just we have a dealer locator mm-hmm. um on our website just put in your zip code and they'll tell you where to go awesome and if someone wanted to get a trigger, do you have a basic unit that you would suggest people get or is it just like a how many different models do you have? Like is it Um Yeah, I mean, you know, we have like, you know, our top of the line one, it's called uh-huh. the Timberline and it's like full Wi Fi, super smoke, you know, all sorts of stuff. It's pretty rad. <laughs> <Did you update? laughs> oh yeah. No, like if you have it's it's nuts, like if I'm, like you could be on the water. And you could be monitoring your cook at home if you have sales service. Can you can you change the temperature? Yes. Me? Are you serious? You can turn Crazy. it up, turn it down. Damn, that's you can set timers. <laughs> yeah. So like you can set like so like let's say you know general rule of thumb. <laughs> sorry. Um, general like rule of thumb. A lot of recipes say to wrap your brisket at 160 degrees. Uh-huh. So like you can set an alarm. So like I've done this. Like if I'm at work, I'll I'll put a brisket on. I'll set an alarm. So once the meat the meat has a thermometer in it on the grill in the backyard. Uh-huh. So once that brisket hits 160 degrees, I get a notification on my phone that my brisket hit 160. Mm-hmm. So I can call my wife and be like, hey, the brisket's at 160. Can you go wrap it? So my wife knows how to wrap it. Uh-huh. She puts it back in, puts the thermometer back in, and then I go back to watching it. Wow. So same thing. You could That's be on the awesome. water fishing. You could have a brisket, pork boat, whatever it is, and you could be monitoring the whole thing, turning it up, turning it down. It has a keep warm setting. So like, let's say you're late for whatever reason. You just can just be like, Boop. Drops into 165, which is like kind of guess what the FDA recommends to keep food warm, and it just cruises. Dude, that's like a whole nother hobby. It's <laughs> it is. I could imagine myself just like tweaking out on 100. You know, like looking at on the internet for new stuff. To, yeah, you know, and I think trolling I, motors out. No, <laughs> I know I'll be cooking. <laughs> I think that's why, I like you know, because again, when you're cooking this, some of the stuff, it's like 
you're up early, you're up all night. So I think that's why like hunters and fishermen have really adapted well to this, you know, and because it's like, we're so used to like weird hours and like, yeah, you know, our clocks are all weird. And, you know, so it's like, you know, when you tell someone, you know, it's funny because if I'm telling like the average Joe, Hey, you need to wake up at three thirty in the morning and do this. They're like, "What?" But I tell someone who's an avid fisherman, like, "You wake up three thirty, like, okay, cool. What do I do at three thirty? Okay, cool. Yeah, you know, like, it's like, yeah. oh, I'm already awake anyway. Yeah. So, you know, so it's super easy. I think that's why you guys get so psyched on it. Super, super yeah. cool, man. Well, we appreciate you coming on. But we still have a little more to do off uh, the mic. You guys will see the the uh, grilling with the guests instead of fishing, but this episode uh, should be a smoked and seared. There you go, <laughs> smoked and seared. <laughs> so thanks again for listening. Thanks for coming on, Thanks for having me. All right.